Tam priyamanam samupastitam kavim praja visarge nijashanunarhanam babasha isha smita shochita gira priya priyam pritamana akares prisham tam unto Lord Brahma priyamanam worthy of being dear samupastitam present before, kavim, the great scholar, praja, living entities, visarge, in the matter of creation, nija, his own, shasana, control, arhanam, just suitable, vapashe, addressed, ishat, mild, smita, smiling, shochisha, with enlighten, enlightening, enlightening. Gira, gira, words, priya, the beloved, priyam, the counterpart of love, pritamana, being very much pleased, kare, by the hand, shvrishan, shaking. And seeing Brahma present before him, the Lord accepted him as worthy to create living beings to be controlled as he desired. And thus, being much satisfied with him, the Lord shook hands with Brahma and, slightly smiling, addressed him thus. Prophet's purport. The creation of the material world is not blind or accidental. The living entities who are ever-conditioned, or nitya-badha, are thus given a chance for liberation under the guidance of his own representative, like Brahma, the Lord instructs Brahma in Vedic knowledge in order to diffuse this knowledge to the conditioned souls. The conditioned souls are forgetful souls in their relationship with the Lord, and thus a period of creation and the process of dissemination of Vedic knowledge are necessary activities of the Lord. Lord Brahma has a great responsibility in delivering the conditioned souls, and therefore he is very dear to the Lord. Brahma also does his duty very perfectly, not only by generating the living entities, but also by spreading his party for reclaiming the fallen souls. The party is called the Brahma Sampradaya. And any member of this party to date is naturally engaged in reclaiming the fallen souls back to Godhead, back home. The Lord is very much anxious to get back his parts and parcels, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita. No one is more dear than the one who takes the task of reclaiming the fallen souls back to Godhead. There are many renegades from the Brahma Sampradaya whose only business is to make men more forgetful of the Lord and thus entangle them more and more in material existence. Such persons are never dear to the Lord and the Lord sends them deeper into the darkest region of matter so that such envious demons may not be able to know the Supreme Lord. Anyone, however, preaching the mission of the Lord in the line of the Brahma Sampradaya is always dear to the Lord, and the Lord, being satisfied with such a preacher of the authorized bhakti cult, shakes hands with him in great satisfaction. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Viditam Dena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale 
Swayam Rupa Kadahmayam Dadati Swapajantikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shivishakan Vitamscha He Krishna Karuna Sindo Dina Bando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kantana Mostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishavanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vansha Kalpaturu Vyascha Kripa Sindhu Pyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Nitainamineche Namirhatehe Shadamulyena Tite Chere Nitai Namineche Namirhatehe Shadamulyena Tite Chere Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Radhar Shivasari Gora Bhakta Brinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare There are many ways in which people try to control the mind. In the Yoga Sutras, there's the Yamas and the Niyamas. It means you have to clean up your life before you can meditate. Yamas and Niyamas mean you have to get right with your the people around you in society can't lie, you can't steal. Uh, when you lie, then you always have to be th thinking about the implications of it and who's going to find out. You can't meditate in that way, right? Right. And similarly, if you steal, you're always thinking about how you, you did something wrong. And then there's ways in which one has to reform one's personal habits. You can't wallow in the mode of ignorance and be a pig, and meditate. And Patanjali Muni describes the yamas and the niyamas. And throughout his teachings in the Yoga Sutras, he's giving a mechanical way that one may gradually still the mind. He doesn't talk much about asana. He just says it helps you to sit longer. But then he says that the ultimate practice or the shortcut is called Ishvara Pranidhan. 
he refers to the Lord as Ishvara. Ishvara means the supreme controller. It's one of the names of Krishna. And Pranidan, we know from Tadvidi Pranipatena Pariprashnena Sevaya, uh, means to approach submissively, to bow your head before someone and accept their greatness and accept knowledge from them, subservience and so forth. And so through Ishvara Pranidan, he says that then all the other processes become automatically achieved. In a similar way, the Sri Chaitanya Charamrita, Kaviraj Goswami says, Shraddha Shabde Vishwas Kahe Suri Janashoy Krishne Bhakti Koila Sarva Karma Kritahoy. That if you give your attention to serving Krishna directly through Bhakti Yoga, then you'll naturally. Sarva karma kritahoy, all the things that you normally have to do, the extra things or the details of the process, you come to automatically. There's much more evidence in the Shastra about how just by worshiping Krishna, one develops all the good qualities of the demigods. And the Bhagavatam, Sarvargunas Tatra Samasti Sura, the Bhagavatam says that you attain the, the good qualities of the demigods, how? By direct Krishna bhakti, if you worship Krishna. Even if you're a very lowly person, if you take to the process of bhakti yoga, then you'll become purified inwardly and outwardly. Oma pavitra pavitrova sarvavastan katopiva yasmarit pundarikaksha sabha shuchi. Inwardly and outwardly you become purified no matter where you come from. If you just think about Krishna, Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janaya Yashuvairagyam Jnanam Chayarahaitukam. By directly worshiping Krishna, you get knowledge and detachment for the world. Who has that? Not many people, except for those who worship Krishna. And if you try all kinds of other methods, the Bhagavatam says, or I should say the demigods praying to Lord Krishna with the womb say, then you don't have it quite right. Your intelligence is a little messed up. It's not pure. Your intentions are um, not aligned properly. And therefore, whatever kind of progress you make is temporary. Patantyada, again, you'll fall down again from that position because it's only imagined liberation. It's not real. Whereas if you directly worship Krishna in bhakti yoga, then you're automatically liberated. So the, the devotees who promote bhakti make this very clear. Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur also says that liberation stands outside my door. I do my bhajan for Krishna directly. And there's Mukti personified. She's waiting outside the door, along with Dharma, Arta, Kama, Moksha. Everything everybody wants in the world, it's in personified forms. They all stand outside the door of the person who's worshiping Krishna directly. And they say, what can we do for you? And the devotees, nothing really. As Kapila Dev says, the devotees aren't interested in liberation at all. And... Rupa Goswami incorporates into his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in the very beginning about the six symptoms of pure devotional service. It immediately puts one in transcendental pleasure. It's the beginning of all auspiciousness. It's uh, 
the the only way to attract Krishna, it's very rarely achieved. And those in pure devotional service deride even the idea of liberation because this is a, a, a phantasmagoria, the liberation, as I mentioned, but it's also abhorrent to the devotees because they want to worship Krishna personally and be persons eternally as we are. And they don't want, they don't want to miss the sweet exchange that the devotees have with, that they have with Krishna through their service. Here we find proof positive that Krishna is a person. As Radhika Raman Prabhu pointed out when he gave his seminar on the Bhagavatam and he was mentioning about aham. One of the important verses in the Bhagavatam still in the second canto, aham eva asam eva gre nanyat yat sarasat param tasmad etam that Krishna mentions that before the creation there was I and after the creation there's still I exist and aham means that person who always exists, who's the source of all creation and that Radhika said uh, <clears throat> Krishna is the only one who can claim to be aham because he's the source of all other persons and he's the only one who, is, who exists as an individual without being dependent on anyone else. Our sense of existence is always dependent, whether in material or spiritual life. And spiritually, Krishna says, Mamayavamsho jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana. That the souls are energy of the Lord, and the energy comes from the energetic, is dependent on the energetic, whereas Krishna is the source of all energies, and he's not dependent on anyone else in his sense of I or a hum. Those who are conditioned souls and have a bodily conception of life are fond of what's called ahankara. And this it means that I'm the doer, and that's the sound vibration they make. I'm doing, I'm the doer, I'm the doer, look at me. But Krishna is actually the, the original center. So this is not bad news for the conditioned soul. It may seem like bad news because when I get involved in this illusory idea that I'm independent, then I suffer. There's a sense of I'm separate from God. There is no God. There is no personal God. Even if there is a God, he's impersonal. Ha ha. Therefore, I'm still, still the center because, you know, who wants to think about nothing? And it says, that the, the person who's conditioned develops a contrary psychology and, and becomes a competitor of the Supreme Lord. So what the good news is that, first of all, this is a mistake, big mistake, little jiva, stop it. Uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vitaraga Bhaya Krodha, there's three psychological conditions. You've heard me say that again and again, that pro prohibit us from being in our natural, eternal, blissful condition. And one of them is this sense of bhaya or fear of our personal existence or fear that there is a personal God because what might that entail? So, in the Bhagavatam, we're getting a view of how personal Krishna is and how 
loving he is. If you think of the last few words here, priya priyam, prita mana, karesh prisham, and even before that, ishat smita, shochita gira. So as mentioned here, if you scroll down to the word for word a little bit, ishat means mild smita, smiling. So when he meets Brahma and he shakes his hand, like maybe this. That's why people like it so much. It started at the beginning of creation. It's just carried on. If you go like this to somebody across the street, they'll, come, they'll go through traffic to get to you. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> then it says there, uh, Ishat, mild smita. He was mildly smiling. Krishna has a mild smile at Kukshetra also when Arjuna says all these things and that the, why he can't fight. And... Uh, Shochisha gira, with enlightening words, priya. Priya means the beloved and priyam, the counterpart of the love. So it's in a very loving way. With a smile in his face, he's shaking hands with Brahma. And pritamana, being very much pleased, kare, by the hands prishan. So that's a very uh, personal gesture. And he's appreciating Brahma for his austerities and so forth. And bringing this into our own life, the process for worshiping the Supreme is not something that is so complicated that we can't figure it out. It's not inscrutable. It's something that can be described, that there is a personality of God. And... Paradoxically, the more we appreciate the personality of God and the more personal we are with him, then the more universal our thinking is. I'll just enter into evidence a couple of points from the secular world that I thought are interesting because they can overlap this idea about describing the personhood of God and our personhood and relationship with him. So, in the world of acting, a personality named Carl Rogers stated the following, which became a very popular statement. In the acting world, the principle of the more personal, the more universal. This was his declaration, that the more personal you are, the more universal your acting will be. So he says, the, the principle of the more personal, the more universal, as it appears to actors, means the more you learn to draw upon your private emotional life, the more real it is for the audience. And the audience will not know what the actor is ex- accessing to make it real. It takes a lifetime of learning and exploring. So in the way of art, when one is expressing something very personal and real, and accessing one's emotions. You might notice that when somebody speaks in very general terms, people are, all right, whatever, it's glad you're there, but next. And somebody gets up and bears their soul in front of others, of course, appropriately, too, because there can be times in which a little too much information, perhaps. But if it's sincere and somebody's actually trusting the the audience, whether it's one person or many, and speaking what's in his or her heart, according to personal experience, 
then it becomes so interesting that the audience leans in. Everyone stops darning a sweater or whatever they're doing. And it's like, wait a minute, somebody's actually going to be real here and talk about what, what it means to them. Somebody commenting on this said, um, about the personal is universal, said, paradoxically, personal experience is universal in a way nothing else can be. Because although it may seem particular in its details, it feels familiar to all of us. We're all in the same boat. Atmal pamyena sarvatra samam pashatiyo arjuna sukham vayadivadukam sayogi paramomata. Krishna says, a yogi is one who thinks of everyone as in terms of uh, one's own experiences in this world. So the idea of being personal, becoming more universal, because we can all relate to it in certain ways, very powerful. And another quotation, we like to make a distinction between our private and public lives and say, whatever I do in my private life is nobody else's business. But anyone trying to live a spiritual life will soon discover that the most personal is the most universal. The most hidden is the most public, and the most solitary is the most communal. What we live, what we live in, what we live in the most intimate places of our of our beings is not just for us, but for all people. That is why our inner lives are lives for others. That is why our solitude is a gift for our community. And that is why our most secret thoughts affect our common life. So in this sense, uh, there's a way that unless we're cultivating this meaningful kind of relationship with Krishna, that is, it's not Nimagraha. I'm not doing it because it's just, uh, a, well, I should say, we're, let me put it in the positive. We're doing it because we're sincerely reaching out to the personality of the Lord. And we recognize our position in relationship to him. That's why we're doing it. And when we have those experiences, which are reciprocations on a very personal level from doing our own practices of Krishna consciousness, that becomes the most valuable substance that we can then distribute to others. And even if we don't actively distribute it, as it's so rare for somebody to have that kind of a focused practice, I don't like the word focus, I'm taking it back. When we have that much uh, sincerity in our practice, that it becomes uh, manifest externally in all that we do. Even those who are a little bit more solitary they become known by Krishna's arrangement. Like Madhavendra Puri had a very deep practice with Krishna. It was very personal. And the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita mentions that even though he ran away, did Madhavendra Puri, from any kind of notoriety, it follows the devotee wherever he goes, even if he tries to hide out. It's like, he's in there. <laughs> You'll find him over there. <laughs> and people find those who are not so externally facing and or whether they are or not doesn't matter it can be they can be externally facing for the purpose of spreading the movement or they can be more dedicated to an internal practice the point is that the 
real combustion takes place when there's a very personal, meaningful, sincere interaction that the devotee's having with Krishna. So what we cultivate inwardly becomes outwardly facing at some point. So there's a few more uh, verses that I have that follow this vein, but in sorting it out and coming to the points that are most useful for us to take away, let's have some discussion, meaning if you have some reflections on any of the ideas I've put forward or what you heard so far, Dr. Roman's ready to go, and then Bhaktin Kennedy. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, uh, my humble obeisances. Nice to see you back to ISV. Uh, yeah, the past week uh, brought me to uh, realization, and you prove it now that how is important uh, uh, Guru Parampara in uh, growing uh, in Krishna consciousness. Because with Krishna mercy, as I got from Srimad Bhagavatam reading, we have two paramparas to follow. So, as in the first canto, uh, Narada said, there's another parampara which called Anartha Parampara, and there's Guru Parampara. So, he always gives us an offer which way we can go. And in terms of personal, even in Anartha Parampara, we take in all advices in this way personally too. So, it goes person to person. So, you kind of learn from your parents, then you teach your kids in all of those Mistakes have been transferred from even your, you know, past families and stuff. And um, he said in this verse, it's important to choose the right parampara, that you get that proper knowledge, which gets you elevated. And I realized our souls like little balloons, which to elevate, you have to get rid of a certain weight. But uh, you actually can act only within those modes of material nature, because when you got high the air in the balloons get cold and you get descent again and it goes back in, in this circle and uh, and the only like uh, through Guru Parampara you can learn that uh, fire which will keep your balloon inflated and hot all the time so you can pass that material heaviness which is all comes and I, I realized another thing that material will teach us a lot about Yantra but Guru Parampara teaches about mantra, and uh, and and it's it's always amazed me how how that's easy to you know go with that balloons up and down up and down. But I found only if you keep up with this knowledge, at least you floating through the life, but not going on earth. It was a really really nice uh, points about Parampara Maharaj, and I really appreciate that we have all of those literature to follow. Thank you very much. Haribo. The proper term for someone who takes care of bees is? What is the? No, no. For birds, it's aviary. There's another word. Apiology. That's birds. Anyway, there are apiary. Is it apiary? Apiary, apiarists know that there is a queen bee. The way that it, those who take care of bees, now that I'm not using apiarist, 
when they want to move a hive from one place to the next, they find the queen bee. The hives are quite busy. There's a lot of work going on in there. And a person who's trained knows how to find the queen bee. And then if she takes the queen bee and moves her to another place, then all the other bees will go there. Why is that? And have you ever seen bees work? You ever watch them? They're very determined. They, they jam their head into a flower and they come back out again. <laughs> and then they go to another place. <laughs> and if they got somehow locked in a room or something, they'll go up against the window again and again. I got to get back to my service. My queen is waiting for me. Bang, 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 bang. You know, they just go. And if you try to stop them, they'll be like, stop it, nink, and they'll sting you and die because they want to serve their queen so much. And this is the natural inclination of the living entities, this, this mood of service. We are, by nature, Lord Chaitanya told Sanatana Goswami, servants of the Supreme. That's our forward march in life. And so as Bhakta Roman pointed out, if we get the wrong sampradaya, our service will be wasted on that which is unworthy, and the word anarta means those things that are valueless. You're working hard, but for no real good reason. You're not getting any return on your investment. How's that sound? Would you like to invest? Who like to invest in our bank? How much was your return? Nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, that point of alignment is very important. It's the same mood of service of the bee, but we have to know that Krishna is the center. And we have that song that we sing sometimes. What is it on Janmashtami? This song by Rupa Goswami is in this mood of serving the, the, the center, the, the one who's all sweet. Okay, and now we have Bhaktin Kennedy. Hare Krishna, I just have a really short reflection. You'd mentioned what we do in our innermost lives is for everyone, which means that nothing is impersonal, least of all God. Thank you. This true eloquence is, how does it go? Truth spoken succinctly is true eloquence. What? Essential truth spoken concisely is true eloquence. Bravo. Yeah. So... Yes? Oh, okay. We have Vaikuntha Nayaka coming to us live from Mysore, the home of Mysore Pak. Vendor Pranam Guru Maharaj. Very happy to see you again. Maharaj, my question was on this, the last sentence of the purport that anyone preaching in the line of the Brahma Sampradaya is very dear to the Lord and uh, <clears throat> the Lord is satisfied with such a preacher, right? Uh, <clears throat> but uh, um, like uh, we also have a small home program um, and uh, I sometimes get despondent when I don't feel the reciprocation from the audience either in the turning up or they not taking up the next step. It almost seems like the 
what you just mentioned that no return but only investment uh, i feel like it's like kind of a waste I, I get, the doubts come whether i'm wasting my time and energy on the wrong audience so can you i know it is i'm just looking at it from a very fruity aspect so can you give some guidance on how to keep going uh, in such a situation when there is yeah, no yeah i think you need encouragement <laughs> It's always a lesson. We should stay fixed in, in the Bhagavatam, and then when we go out and teach it to others, Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam, we can notice how the world works, and we can notice in the right context. And so when we meet somebody who outright ignores us, we can feel for ourselves what the power of ignorance is. The power of ignorance or ignorance is palpable. I was walking down the street the other day, because I walk down the street every day. <laughs> I go out early in the morning for a walk and try to put in my steps. And there was nobody out, because it was very early in the morning, early for my neighborhood anyway. And I could see somebody on my same side of the street. Oftentimes I switch sides way early on, so I don't have to decide, am I going to look at this person in the eye? Are they going to say hi, or am I going to say hi? Are we both? And if I say hi and they don't say hi, what am I going to do? How am I going to feel the rest of the day? <laughs> and I was thinking of this as I was getting closer to this person, and we got parallel to one another passing, and I just said hi, and he said hi. And I thought, okay, well, that's okay. And then I was thinking that there's a consequence to consciousness. Every living being is consequential. It's not consequential if the fire hydrant doesn't say anything to me. I don't mind. And there's no sense of reciprocation there at all, or expected either. But when I walk by a living being, there's an expectation of something, and there's a consequence from that interaction, one way or the other. And in the science of consciousness, which is the Bhagavad Gita, we, we can know what happens at different phases of consciousness and the different interactions of those in different levels of consciousness. And therefore, there's a lot of instruction about that. For instance, Ishvare Taradineshu Bhadisheshu Dvisatsucha Prema Maitri Kripopiksha Yakaroti Samadhyama. Bhagavatam guides those who are out in the world interacting with people and says that, okay, Give all your love to Ishwar. Just don't worry. If you pour out unlimited love and attention to Krishna, you'll never go wrong. And Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita himself, I can handle it. You give it to me, I'll digest it. We want somebody to take our love. If somebody's all the time, he's like, you're really great. He's like, no, 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 get out of here. I don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, say, okay, thank you. But they can defer a little bit. If people won't accept your gifts, I'm not worthy, I won't take it. There's a, there's a way Krishna can accept everything that we give, even if it's imperfect. He can accept it as long as there's a sense of, of giving love. So give to, to God. That's one part of the relationship. The next is that we should make friendship with devotees. Next is we should try to give as much mercy to the innocent as possible. And then for those who are not interested or they're averse, interesting word, they're not into verses. That, 
we, we don't tell him any verses. You don't want to know any verses? I won't tell you any of them, not even Hare Krishna. So there's ways we, we sh the Bhagavatam understands. There's people at different levels. There are entities that we can relate to in different ways. So it says categorize it and do, it, do so accordingly. In observing our interactions with others, because you invite people to your home, Vaikuntha Naika, you don't know who's going to come. And then they have different levels of reciprocation. And we can take that as a way to self-reflect. In other words, if somebody ignores us, how do we feel? Or if somebody's nonchalant about our sincere presentation, how do you feel? That's a, actually, I'll change it from a rhetorical question to, like, how do you really feel? Sad. Yeah, you feel put off, sad. You can feel like nobody loves me. Uh, there's a lot that happens in the, in the mind of the conscious being when we're not taken seriously. I've seen it. I was in a class one day at a, economics, of all things, and some, there was two girls in the back talking, and the professor just went crazy and kicked them out of the class because they weren't paying attention to what she was saying. And it was more than disciplinary. She was really hurt, teacher, really stuck in my mind. Because everybody else was listening, but there too was like, <laughs> so there's a, there's a consequence to our interactions with other people. So we can then take it as a lesson ourselves. How is my relationship with Krishna when I'm chanting Krishna's name? Do I take it seriously? When I'm listening myself, do I lean in? And how have I been treating Krishna by ignoring him for one life after another and not paying attention to him? Is that hurtful? So anyway, I should be more practical. When people come to your house and you have programs, just cater to those as much as possible who, where there is a spark that you can fan. And there is a rule of thumb, and that is if you invite a hundred people to come to your house, and the people who say they'll try to come are definitely not coming. <laughs> you can just scratch them off the list. They won't, they're not coming. There's no way they're going to come. Try means no. And then those who do RSVP, does anybody even know what that is anymore? It used to be a really serious thing back in the old days. RSVP means I'm going to be there. And nowadays, when people RSVP, it means maybe they'll come. There's a 50-50 or maybe 60-40 chance that they'll make it. And then maybe like out of 100, one person shows up at your door. And you can then say that that's the most important person. Somehow or other, they voted with their feet and they came here. And you give as much as possible to them. Now, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta said, if you go someplace to preach and nobody comes, you should preach to the four walls because the vibration is powerful. We don't know how people are taking this. People can seem like they're not into it. They have their own reasons for that. That's their problem. Our problem is just presenting it as much as possible to those who are as sincere. And, as, and, and then it'll have its effect because we're, the, we're delivering the medicine. We don't have to make the medicine effective. It's already effective. It's up to them to take it. And just a personal anecdote, when I was in London, uh, I had received a, 
a very nice but very short email from somebody in Ireland saying, I would like to come visit you. And from the name, because it was an Irish name, I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, and I passed it on to my host there and said, uh, this person says they're coming. And so at the last minute, they said, uh, yeah, they're, they're flying in. They'll only have half an hour, and then they're flying back to Ireland. So you know that show we do on fr Fridays at 12 o'clock that JM keeps going? It's called Success Sadhana. It's more like almost new agey kind of stuff. And, you know, we're, we're catering more to the, the business audience and stuff. So this person's been listening to it for the last three years, lives on a farm in Ireland, and uh, never met devotees before. Well, got connected with it just from taking a yoga class, and somebody mentioned it a few years ago, and then he looked it up himself on YouTube. Then he came, and he was in awe being there at the, the, the manor. And then I talked to him for about a half an hour, and he had to leave. He had an Uber waiting in the parking lot. And he just wanted to come and personally say, that although I've never said anything until now, this totally changed my life. And he, then he said, <laughs> I'm not saying that for, I'm just saying it as a re, my reaction to the fact that you don't know who's out there, who's listening and what's happening. Our duty is to deliver the message as sincerely as possible to the audience and, uh, you know, Nirkula's mom, when she was driving sometimes and the kids were fighting in the back of the seat, back seat of the car. Have you ever had that, parents? <laughs> she used to say to them, she said, you better stop it or in a minute I'm going to turn around and swing and I don't care who I hit. <laughs> 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 and so when we preach, you know, we do we do care who we hit, but sometimes it's like, you know, you put it out there to everybody, and it's like, I don't know who I'm hitting <laughs> with this, but people are getting hit. It's, it's in the Bhagavatam itself that there's three kinds of people. That the one who's speaking gets the most benefit, the one who's listening gets the next, and everybody else in between. The vibration leaks out, and people hear it, and they get affected. Anyway, don't worry, because the, the process that you're involved in is worthy in and of itself, and if for no other reason, do it for self-purification. Because you're lucky to have a forum to study for and then present the Bhagavatam to others. And you will be surprised, it will bear fruit, and the most inattentive person will come to you, I'm predicting, at some point and say, you know, you've changed my life, and I've decided to become a full-time dedicated soul to Lord Krishna. Om Tat Sat. Okay, a couple more. Yashoda. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Oh, Bali. Bali then Yashoda. Oh, I have one uh, reflection regarding the interaction with Lord Krishna and Brahma. How he shook his hand. That's why in in English, you can see only one word like friend, but in Sanskrit, you have a different level of friendship, like called mitra, bandhu, such kind of things, which is given that when Krishna is in Vrindavan, he may be hugging his friends very intimately. Or when he came to even uh, Hastinapur, 
when he met Arjun or other, he was giving a big hug. So it's likely more intimate friendship. But here looks like it's a chapter process of creation. So probably it's a business deal. How Krishna is, you know, you go for it. Just like when you are a CEO and you are telling your CTO, I approve this architecture, go for it. So it's likely exactly similarly Krishna is playing, soaking his hand means, I'm very pleased, this is my mind and this is the need of the hour. This is the best preaching you are doing. So my reflection is there are levels of, uh, different levels of friendship, which is like Mitra and Bandhu. Mitra means a country to country, let's say, um, USA and Mexico needs to have a maitri bhav, means a friendly relationship in terms. So those are likely more on political side. So this is likely a bandhu and very dear most also Krishna comes. But you can find out from Krishna's gesture with different level and extrapolate a lot from this incident. Thank you for bringing Thank you, Bali Prabhu. It's one of the ways that Prabhupada mentions in the Nectar Devotion that one develops a relationship of friendship with Krishna, and that is teaching others about him. That's what friends do, and especially when the, your friend is Krishna. Do you have a mic? Yes, you do. Go ahead. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Welcome back. So happy to see you here. Thank you. So, we Raja Prabhupada's purport in 2919, um, where he says, two kind of people, one who are renegades, he used that word, who fall down from the Sampradaya in Krishna's eyes, and the others who are preaching Krishna's message, and they are very dear to him. So, ever since I read that, I've been thinking, like, there are some explicit, clear, tangible ways where we know that we are breaking the vows or not following the instructions of our parampara, so we are doing something wrong. But then there could be things that we don't know we are doing wrong and they may even lead us the wrong direction and we might be inadvertently be renegades to the parampara. So probably we can expand on this. It's a very different from making some mistakes that Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, apichet sudharacharo bhajite mamananyabhak sadareva samantavyaksam vyavasitoisa. This exhibition of worldliness, as Prabhupada defines it in the Sri Shapanishad mantra 17 near the end in the purport, where he quotes the verse Apichet Sudaracharo, is not considered very much by Krishna. Because one's sincere, one's trying, and you'll find also in the purport in the eleventh canto to Jayam Sadapari Bhavagnam Abhishta Doham. Tirtaspanam Shiva Vrinchi Nutam Sharanyam Ritartiham Pranatapala Pabhabdi Potam Vande Mahapurushate Charanaravindam. The Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur comments, and it's a, a direct translation of his commentary in the purport, where he says in the Kali Yuga, people make mistakes. It's a very uh, weird time to take to the direct process of spiritual life because nobody not is that much interested in it as Vaikuntanayaka Prabhu said and also there's so many allurements and traps and just anywhere you step uh, there's a, a possibility of not following a particular rule or regulation. Prabhupada when he first came to America stayed in a house where they had cat food in the in the refrigerator along with whatever else he had to cook and offer and he said, uh, I'm here to preach, so what can I do if there's cat food in the refrigerator? What to speak of all the other ways Prabhupada interacted with so many people that he got criticism for. He got criticism for crossing the ocean. That's supposed to be uh, taboo. 
and so forth. So then even if one does make a mistake sincerely, somehow or other, Krishna says, Sopadamulam bhajatapriyasa tatanya bhavasa hare priyeshaha he says that if you make a mistake while you're trying to do devotional service and you do something crazy in the, in the category of v-karma, it's like completely wrong-headed. What's the prescription? It's not that you uh, will languish in hell and that you blew it. He says, just go ahead, keep practicing devotional service because... I've entered within the hearts of every living entity and I know what your mood is, that you're trying. You made a mistake and it may be of wrong-headed. Now that it comes to the point of saying, well, how do I know it was by accident? And I didn't mean to do it. Well, Prabhupada says this in the verse after Apichet Sudarajaro, which is Sri Prambhavati Dharmatma Shashvashanti Nagachati Kaunteya Pratijanihi Name Bhaktya Pranashati Krishna tells Arjuna, you declare it, that anybody who follows this path as sincerely as possible will be successful. No question about it. So Prabhupada says, so how do we know? How is it that somebody can do something wrong and still be considered a pure devotee? And it's on, based on this principle that if you're sincere, Krishna will rectify all these mistakes from within the heart and he'll arrange for one to make advancement. And then Prabhupada was asked, so how, does, how do we know if somebody made an accidental mistake or if it was on purpose? And Prabhupada said, if they come back, then it was accidental. So that's parallel with Krishna's teaching that keep trying, even though you made a mistake. What is being spoken about in the, what Prabhupada was speaking about in the purport here was somebody that's intentionally misleading people. In the Shriya Upanishad, it said that ignorance is bad, but worse than ignorance is so-called knowledge. That's an interesting statement, and it relates to this point, because if somebody presents themselves as an authority in a sampradaya, like the Brahma Sampradaya or any other sampradaya, and then doesn't follow with fidelity the teaching and takes it off in another direction, especially the impersonal direction, then that person is giving so-called knowledge. And because of the way they present themselves, Prabhupada said it could be like a cobra. Cobra looks very beautiful because there's a diamond shape on its head. But if you get close enough to that, you'll be bitten. Bitten? He will bite you. Or she'll bite you, I don't know. And then you're in trouble. So you have to be careful where you take the knowledge now, another point, in the Bhagavad Gita, there's a verse that's in 16th chapter where Krishna sounds like hellfire and brimstone. Like, I've heard it so many times because I've lived in public for decades. And in America, and especially in the Bible Belt, presenting Bhagavad Gita in the Bible Belt, you hear a mantra regularly, which is, y'all's going to hell. <laughs> If I had a rupee for every time I heard that, I'd be a krorprati. So, <laughs> Krishna's not saying that in the Bhagavad Gita. Some people misinterpret it that way, where, where he says, what, how's the verse start? Tanaham dushatam kroran samsareshu naradama shripam ajasham ashubham 
Yonishu. So in that verse, it sounds like Krishna is moving them down, down, and down. What, what Prabhupada explains in the Bhagavatam in relation to that verse is it's for their purification. I'll give you an example. Have you ever seen a Western? Yeah, Western cowboys. I should would say Indians, but I don't want to freak anybody out. Cowboys and Indians. So you never seen horses, hats. Okay. When we used to present the Krishna book, we'd, we'd ask people, we'd say, do you like Westerns? And they go, like, yeah. And they go, this is an Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> so in a Western, you'll have a scene where, any Western, you'll have a scene where a person drinks too much whiskey and they start <laughs> shooting up the town. So the sheriff, all right, Lester, let's go. And he takes them and he puts them in the in the town jail. And he locks the door, a big old key, you know, throws him in there. You sleep it off, Lester. And the next morning, Lester's like, where am I? Uh, what did I do? He's like, you shot up the town again. You didn't kill anybody. Lucky thing. But we put you in the jail, sober up. Are you ready to go out? He's like, oh. So in the same way, the, the living entity, when it becomes too wayward and starts saying crazy stuff out of material intoxication, Krishna says, okay, we'll put you over here for a while. A little further down, yeah, a little deeper. Now, you know, sober up and come out of this, and then you get another chance. So it's more in that mood. There's no sense at all. It's, it's wrong-headed philosophy to say that God will condemn somebody forever after one lifetime. Hey, you went to the wrong church. You know, that's too much for me. You just burn in hell forever. So that's a, that's a, um, makes God a monster. It's crazy. So when we hear from our acharyas, we understand what that, what these points are, how it is. And so if somebody's wrongheadedly presenting to other people, uh, some information that's going to drive them off the path, the right path, then there's, there's some way in which those who are trying to help people in general will, will make these strong statements, as Prabhupada has here. And Krishna also tries to separate them. Yes, you've been trying for several days here. Hare Krishna. As you spoke on the dichotomy between personal, universal, I was reflecting on relationships in my Krishna consciousness that have inspired me and helped me. Um, and I think two factors came to mind. One was the attentiveness, and two was attentiveness to my nature and my energy and my characteristics. Um, one service that I do in San Francisco is assist Ananta Chaitanya with the Bhakti SF Thursday Kirtan. Mm. And we always have newcomers that want to talk afterwards over Prashad, discuss their life experiences and their perspectives. And um, I think one thing that I realized from what you were saying is that we have to be very attentive to individual nature when speaking to others and when building relationships with devotees or new devotees because that lends itself to a personal aspect in the relationship and builds a connection that's authentic and, and inspiring, not just for us, but also for that other person and then allows it to flourish and grow. This is a vital point. I would go so far as to make this bold proclamation that all success is based on personal relationship, and all progress is personal as well. There is a way in which I've mentioned before in advertising. The more personal 
the advertising is, the more meaningful it becomes to somebody. And what I heard somebody once say, I took a course on advertising, and, it, and they said, if you don't have time to be personal in your advertising, then you don't have time to do business. And then I realized one day, when I was coming to the mail slot, in our house, the mail comes through the door. There's a slot, and they shove it through the door, and then it falls on the floor. And so I realized that from across the room, when I saw the mail fall, my eyes scan it, you know, like one of those Terminator things where you can see, like, what's there? And I just, I just scanned it for a second, and I said, oh, there's a postcard, and it's got a personal handwriting on it. And everything else goes to the side. They're all uh, fake signatures. You know how they make that? They use a font, and it's like, hi, I love you. And it's like, no, you don't. And so when I, when I saw the postcard, it's actually written a little smudged on the side, the ink, and this and that. They're like, yeah, what is it? Who is this? Sit down, read it, absorb it, pass it along. Everyone wants to see it. It's like somebody wrote to you in their personal hand. It becomes meaningful. So the more we take a personal interest in ourselves and in others, then the more it becomes meaningful. And I would say that everyone who comes to Krishna consciousness who develops a firm faith in the process does so because of another person who has instilled that in, in him or her. So this is the, a real relationship. It's not artificial. There's a way in which we develop a mentor-mentee kind of relationship because somebody has more faith than I do, and they also have the knowledge how to present it to me so that it untangles my doubts. This is one of the things Kapiladev says. So once we have that, then we feel strong to stand on our own two feet. And it doesn't happen through factory farming. It happens through what you're saying is one person takes a personal interest in somebody else, and that's where their point of reference is for how to keep going in Krishna consciousness and why to keep going in Krishna consciousness, because they have that. So that's the most important. And Krishna is doing that for all of us because he's there within the heart, and he also expands himself externally as the, the various kinds of uh, helpers in, that come to us on his behalf. Okay. One, two. Hare Krishna Prabhu. I was just uh, reflecting on all the various stories that I was reading and how Krishna is so personal, as you just said in the morning. Like he tells Rukmini that whatever is mine is yours. And uh, I was also remembering the Gopakumara thing when he actually sees Gopakumara. I read that three, four times first to understand it is Krishna telling or Gopakumara telling. When he says that I've been waiting for you for such a long time to see you. I, I thought it was Gopakumara telling Krishna first. So I went back and read and I was, um, it, was, it, is, it was very touching to say that Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, is talking to one particular jiva. I've been waiting for you for such a long time and I, I saw that you're not even reciprocating and I came as Jayanta, as your guru, to get you back. So in so many instances, um, you know, the, I was just thinking I should probably start compiling those exact words of Krishna when he himself is talking and, you know, in person, just with one person. Of course, Bhagavad Gita entirely, he's talking to Arjuna and everybody. But there are a few instances where in different stories where he says to specific people, specific things. Thank you. Yeah, that uh, continues the point. 
when it's really about somebody caring for us and that we find out that Krishna really cares for us. Like in a talk, somebody might say, I love each and every one of you. And it's like, yeah, right. That's too general. I mean, it's nice. It's a good sentiment. We should say that and feel it. But when somebody specifically says, here's why I appreciate what you're doing, then we become immediately attentive and so forth. And it just so happened to have that, not that quote, but another quote that somebody asked me for. It was in London. I said about this point about personality and Mahatma Prabhu, my godbrother afterwards, we were talking and I mentioned how in the Briyat Bhagavatamrita, when Gopal Kumar goes back to Godhead, there's a point at which he realizes that Krishna, yes, everybody knows he cares for every living entity, but when he realizes that he specifically cares about me, that's where everything changes. And I told him that I noticed that whenever we've read that section, out loud in public, even very stoic, fully grown devotees who have been around for a while and know not to display emotions in public, or at least they don't, I look up and there's tears in their eyes. Um, Yeah, I remember Rasika Shekhar Prabhu, one time we were in the old temple, where was that? Bascom, with the dog who chewed on the shoes. So then... We were in Bascom, and I was reading that pastime, and I had experienced it before in our, in our house when, when Keisha Barney Marsh was editing that, and he was reading the manuscript to a bunch of senior devotees, and I, I felt emotional hearing it, and I looked up to see, it's like, am I being out of place here? And that, there were tears coming down from the eyes of the devotees, and they're not real criers. So when I looked up in the temple room, and Rasika Shekhar Prabhu it's very you know, stoic, and he was our Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. <laughs> we always knew at the kirtan when he started a dance, okay, the kirtan's going, you know. Here's a PhD professor with a, you know, one of those PhD coats on, patches on the arms, the whole thing, he starts dancing. So I looked up, and tears were just flowing down his eyes, and I said, wow, that's the point that we're looking for. Everybody's looking for that. And here's what it here's where it is. In the Briyat Bhagavatamrita says Gopakumar was already aware, at least theoretically, that Krishna is very affectionate to his helpless devotees. But now he learned that Krishna had affection specifically for him. Don't cry. Merely seeing Krishna was enough to utterly enchant Gopakumar. But this new discovery pushed him toward the limit of ecstasy. So our ecstasy is, is in relationship to the personality of Krishna personally caring for us. And that's the essence of our philosophy in the Krishna consciousness movement. Minus that, we get colder and colder the further we move away. And the more we move forward remembering that Krishna is a person, that he specifically cares for us, and he accommodate, he's been accommodating us since the time immemorial. In anything you want to do, he's so kind. You, you want to be an aardvark? Go ahead. You want to eat ants? Be an anteater. There's 8,400,000 more species to choose from. Help yourself. I'll give you whatever you want. And if you want to turn towards me and say, Krishna, I specifically love you and I want to serve you, then he'll say, yes, and I specifically 
love you and want to have an eternal relationship with you and you've got full facility for everything you want in spiritual life in your in in your own individualized way because every soul has an individualized desire to serve krishna and that's what the spiritual world means it's full facility to expand your love in service in a very personal way in the way you want to do om tat sat that's the end of the class right oh i was getting hand signals i thought maybe that was it Yeah, it's good you're here because I don't remember what I tell everybody. <laughs> so what did I tell Vrinda Sevika? Do you have a presentation? <laughs> what? Oh, okay. All right, go ahead. I, I was told it started at quarter till. That's why I'm rolling along here. But it starts at half past, right? 9.30, okay. Last one. And a one-minute answer only. <laughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. I have more like a reflection. Uh, that point about um, that at certain point uh, people has we have to take it as uh, axiomatic truth, the philosophy, the basics in bhakti philosophy. So it's really helpful when preaching and people try to go back and ask, oh, who said that? And who is he? And who who told him this? So uh, if you tell that um, this is the point when you have to take it as, as it is, the same as oh, you go to the class like physics and you take that uh, like as a uh, light speed or the same, that's really helpful for uh, with working for objective with objections. Yes, to get to that point where you have a trusted source of knowledge is very important. It's the goal of human life. And it doesn't mean that we can't doubt. Kapila Dave says that we have intelligence and part of the function of the intelligence is to doubt. But there's two sides to doubting. There's blind faith, which means that you really didn't investigate it very well. And that's bad. But equally as bad, is blind doubt. Blind faith and blind doubt are the two sides of the coin. You blindly doubt, say, oh, there is a God. It's like, no, it can't be. Then you must be God yourself because it's fallible logic. If you say there is no God, it means you must be God because you know everything. <laughs> and, and so that doesn't work either. So as Radhika Prabhu points out in his presentation on the Tattva Sandarbha, there's a point at which we have to satisfy our doubts we have to do our due diligence to hear and that's why i said earlier somebody with superior knowledge has to be able to dispel our doubts logically and shastrically in all different ways and also by their personal example that they're getting something from the practice of krishna consciousness we we need that and when we see that for ourselves then we have a point of reference that we trust and we have a trusted point of reference and then we can say okay I believe this. And it doesn't mean also that, although categorically we accept it, there may be some parts of it where you isolate it and say, okay, this is really far out, but I'm going to put it in the category of later, I'll try to figure this out. These other parts totally work for me, and I'm going to really embrace them. And that's all you need. You don't have to understand everything uh, and just say, like, I totally get that uh, with every part of what comes out from the Vedic teachings. But you do have to have a sense that it's from a trusted source, and later on I can find out how these other things actually work. 
Meanwhile, I'm going to work with the part that gives me traction in spiritual life where I can make advancement. So at least that much opening we have to have because generally the material world means, Krishna says, you doubt everything and you doubt everyone and you never go anywhere. And you'll notice, I'm way past a minute, that the in an assembly where people actually have open-hearted faith in, in uh, the teachings of Krishna consciousness or specifically in a person who's teaching Krishna consciousness, there's this cascade of nectar that comes out because it's really rare in the material world. Everyone, even in, like, or especially in universities, you get in, it's like, yeah, well, who died and made you God? You know, how do you know? It, the, the idea of blind doubt has become more and more prevalent and it goes into the realm of cynicism. There is a way in which religion and philosophy used to be married and it is the f philosophy side that asked for a divorce. Of course, not saying that the religion part wasn't misbehaving in many different ways, but the two go together and you have to have that sense. And now that is, there's the divorces there, people have become very cynical. Like nothing can be true unless I can see it with my own eyes. But even in physics, we have laws that say that the more you look at it, the more it changes and you can't see it anyway, right? <laughs> I forget what that's called. Eisenberg. Yeah, the uncertainty personal. So thank you very much, everyone. And I'm really uh, overwhelmed by your uh, presence. That was a weird way to say it. I'm really happy to be back. And uh, <laughs> it, it really feels like home, both to see all of you online and to be here in, in force on a Saturday morning when you're busy and you have so many things to do. And I take it very personally into heart. And we really do feel, I mean, it goes without saying, this is our home. And when we go elsewhere, we're strengthened by the fact that we we have all of you and very specifically <laughs> each and every one of you but <laughs> that's what keeps us alive that's what keeps us alive thank you for being our life and soul that goes for nirakula also om tat sat hari krishna